Hello, I'm Daniel. I wanted to talk to you about the life of the Buddha today. Uh, a lot of the time I I sort of steer clear of topics like this because I think it's, uh, for the most part, sort of boring to people, but I just thought I'd do it anyway. So, we're going to talk about the life of the Buddha. So, here we go. It was 600 years before the birth of Christ that a spiritual teacher emerged who would he would change Eastern civilization just as Christ would change Western civilization. The British historian Edwin Arnold called him the Light of Asia. We know him by his title, the Buddha, which means the Awakened One. His spiritual journey happens to resemble a lot of hero myths of ancient times. He went on a challenging journey and he found the true nature of things. He awakened. His awakening can be said to be our awakening too. So I'm telling this story really as a roadmap for us to follow. We can learn from his life story and try to follow in his footsteps. Not in a literal sense, but in a spiritual sense. I once heard a teacher say that you can use the life of any contemplative master as a guideline for your own practice. I think this is probably true. I'm going to call the Buddha a godless mystic because I think that's what he really was. He undertook a spiritual journey and showed us a true spiritual path, but his path exists outside of the God and creation paradigm that is common to religion and spirituality. This is important because it reminds us that the spiritual journey isn't confined to little boxes we try to put it in. So it's said that the Buddha's life was foretold. A fortune teller told his father, who was a powerful man, that his son would either grow up to be a great ruler or a great spiritual teacher. There's also a story of his mother having a dream of an elephant entering her belly on the night she conceived, and it's said that it's said that at the time of his birth he emerged from his mother's side instead of being born, and that as an infant, he was able to walk and talk. This story reminds me of uh, the birth of Athena from Greek mythology, who emerged fully formed from her father's head. Similarity, similarity to Christ is true, too. The true birth was foretold, and it was not traditional. So, although these stories do place the Buddha firmly in the mythic hero tradition, I don't like them, and I don't think they're important. It seems clear to me that these kinds of details were later additions that were designed to evoke our feelings. As human beings, these kinds of stories really seem to resonate with us at a deep level. But I, they also make it, make it seem unbelievable, right? So, I like to think of it as more here and now, and something we can relate to, not something far away, not this magical man who came out of his mother's side. That's absurd, and it really takes us out of the story and makes us feel like we're not like him. To me, a very important aspect of the Buddha's story is that he was a normal person like us. We can do what he did because we are not fundamentally different from him. Anyway, the Buddha's father believed that if he could shield his son from the suffering of the world, then his son would not seek a spiritual path. He thought that if his son could live a constant life of pleasure and happiness, then he wouldn't have any desire to do anything spiritual. He would just enjoy pleasure and just become a king. 
In those days, there were, there were men and a few women, but mostly men, who would walk away from their lives and go on spiritual journeys. They would go try to contemplate fundamental truths, and they would give up all their responsibilities and go live in the woods, and that was not what the Buddha's father wanted for him. So, during his youth, the Buddha had everything he could possibly want. And, of course, that's not something any of us can relate to. His father was very wealthy, and he had access to all the best things of the time. Few people live in that way. But, that being said, we do grow up. In childhood, our needs are hopefully provided for relatively well. At the very least, we don't have to work, and we don't have the same kind of adult worries that we grow into. We transition into adulthood, and then we have all sorts of jobs and responsibilities and bills to pay and just everyday stresses. And in this way, we can relate to the Buddha a little. He was more well-provided than most of us, and his innocence lasted into his late 20s, but we all experience something like that, because we all have to grow up. So there was this incident in which the Buddha was inspired to seek the spiritual life. He went outside his father's palace one day and traveled around a nearby village. He was just curious and bored, and he saw things that his father tried to hide from him. He saw the sick and the dying. He saw how much people were suffering and in pain. And then he saw a wandering mystic. A, a man in tattered robes who he uh, was wandering around and he had a beatific look on his face. He looked like he was content even though he looked dirty and poor. And the Buddha took this as his inspiration, and he ran away from home to engage the spiritual life. In much the same way, we have to grow up. We come, come out of the comfort of childhood, and our lives change. The Buddha came out of the comfort of his wonderful and amazing life, and everything changed. He left his life behind, and he went to live in the forest. There he explored several different spiritual paths, as many of us who are seekers do. I think it's beneficial to look around and see what's out there. He studied with a teacher who taught him rigid self-denial, so who taught him that the spiritual journey involved giving up everything and hardly ever eating or drinking and staying awake for days and days on end, and that didn't do anything for him, really. And he studied with another teacher who taught him yoga and meditation practices. He starved himself for years in an effort to find some spiritual truth. He thought that if he could find some spiritual truth, he could overcome the suffering that he had discovered was a dominant part of life. For years, things went on in this way, and he discovered that the path of self-denial didn't bring him any more truth than his earlier life of self-indulgence. In a way, he was a rebel. He went against the teachings of the spiritual teachers of his day, both the Hindu priests and the forest mystics, and he created his own path. He sat under a tree with great determination to find spiritual insights, and he succeeded. He created, or some say discovered, some fundamental things about human life that help us transcend suffering. And he created a path for us that didn't include spirits or gods or magic. Other spiritual paths at the time included those things. Really, spiritual paths now usually include those things. He created a path that we could all engage in. His simple path, simple to describe anyway, is nothing more than the cultivation of virtue, wisdom, and concentration. It's only by engaging these practices that we can walk the Buddhist path.
There are different ways of describing these practices, but really that's these practices are all Buddhism comes down to. Virtue, wisdom, and concentration. And at the moment of the Buddha's enlightenment, he looked up and he saw a star shining in the sky. Because he had attained enlightenment and he felt connected to all things, he looked up and he said, I am shining in the sky and I and all beings have attained enlightenment. The Buddha's enlightenment story is there for us. We just have to take the journey like he did. Thank you for listening. Have a good day.